that's like the, the misconception about phonelessness. And like, I think me not having a phone actually hurts my message because my message is not, I don't think everyone should get the phone. I think people should use their phone less because it's it's designed to make, their, make them use it more. Life is so much better when you're not sucked in your phone. Hello everyone, this is Rob Kakuza. You're listening to the next episode of Nantucket Sound. I'm here with my trusty sidekicks, Emmy and Jason. How are you guys doing today? Good, thanks. How are you? Hanging in. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> hey Chase. Okay, I want to start this off with a question. And it's a very u- unique one. A-, a gentleman named Noah Miller reached out to us and said, I've been living without a cell phone for close to two years and I'm about to write a book about it. I'd love to tell you about my experience. And so that obviously got me thinking about, could we survive without cell phones? I'm wondering for you two, what would life look like if you could do away with that device attached to our hands and heads? <laughs> oh boy. Wow. What a question that yeah. is. I mean, I'd love to be able to, right? I mean, I think that everybody has that that moment. I don't know how, however often it happens for various people. For me, it happens probably once a week where I'm just thinking, gosh, I wish I didn't have this with me. I, I mean, I think it's something that we all struggle with. Jason, your business depends on this device. I mean, you're probably the most active person out of all of us in terms of the social and driving the Instagram for Nantucket Current. Your job would not be possible without a cell phone, I imagine. Yeah, no, no way. It's And like you said, it is. It's invaluable for what I do with reporting and for what we're doing with the current. So it's hard to imagine to be able to do what we're doing without, without that device. But would I like to put it down and have a little uh, separation from it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we all would. It's the distraction of it, you know, but also you think about with family and kids, like, you know, being able to be in touch with, you know, people who you need to and to, you know, keep track of your family, all that stuff. So it's, it's kind of hard to imagine it, but certainly from the distraction angle, I mean, absolutely. It would be, I think we'd all, I think my wife would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny because when I was having this conversation, which we're about to air with this gentleman, Noah Miller, who's uh, 26 years old, he kind of got into it because his cell phone broke and he just decided not to get it fixed. Now, mind you, he was a reporter for Newsweek at the time. So he was, he did his job, covered COVID without a cell phone. And, you know, he did use Zoom and things on his laptop for communication. But as it related to handheld devices, he didn't have it. And, you know, I, I was kind of playing devil's advocate throughout the conversation because I would desperately love to do away with cell phones. I think they're just, you know, it, it's, it sucks so much of our time and energy from us. But just as you noted, Jason, the logistics of simply running a household are dependent upon that constant, you know, text message back and forth with the spouse. It's, it's life coordination. I don't know, <laughs> but, but, but you're right. You think of, we never, we never had it before growing up and we all survived and it was all good. So can we go back to that? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a cross country driver. Would you <laughs> be able to do your cross country adventures without GPS? Could you break out the old maps like your dad taught you and and be able to navigate across the country with with only those? I probably could actually, and only because I've done the cross country drive so many times in my life that now I kind of honestly know where I'm going based on just like pointing myself towards different cities. 
But I mean, then you don't have those extra amenities like, oh, there's a crash up ahead. Like, let's reroute you. It's you're kind of just at the mercy of the the paper map that doesn't know whether or not you're about to run into an hour of delayed traffic. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think every summer I try and take a little bit of time to just put the phone away. I mean, for me, obviously, I don't use it quite as much in the same way as Jason does, but trying to cut down really on those app hours and trying to not bring my cell phone into the bedroom, charging it outside of the bedroom overnight to kind of cut down on those mindless scrolling hours. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's tough. I mean, they're they're made to be addictive. So I mean, <laughs> that's why you have all those tech parents who don't let their kids have cell phones and all those things. Cause like they know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that, that's like a, that's an arrow to my heart thinking about that because you know, in the beginning when we first had our first kid, they're like, we are never going to let Vienna look at a cell phone. And like, we probably stayed strict with that for the first year. Yeah. And now it's, you know, you got to comb her hair. You're holding the cell phone inches from her face. So like, keep, keep her, her still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard when you get that crutch. I mean, for me, the crutch is the GPS. Yeah. You know, I, I find myself pathetically putting in a location that's within five miles of the house because I figure, well, it'll get me like there faster. And I've also had the opposite experience of when I'm growing across country. I was once doing a book tour in Colorado and I, punched in where I was going. And the initial route had me going 120 miles. And I was like, all right, that makes sense, A to B. And then I made a series of turns that caused the GPS to start rerouting me. And it then said five miles away. And I was like, whoa, this is bizarre. Maybe this is a serious shortcut. As it turned out, the five miles was over a mountain pass. <laughs> on a logging road. <laughs> and so I was going up these switchbacks and it was literally at the point where I was forging across small little streams and rivers because it was like, it was not meant for regular traffic. So I had to make this like 37 point turn on this precipice to get back and basically follow my tracks down to the road. And then immediately when I got back to the road, it was like 110 miles away, <laughs> here's your destination. So it's, uh, it's definitely uh, a crutch and it can lead you astray. And I think we've lost our ability to navigate, and at least I have, you know, like we used to. You know, the old MapQuest direction seemed like such an advancement, and now we're yeah. and we're really stuck to it. So I don't know what the answer is. This guy's got a pretty interesting take. He's 26, so I, I put an asterisk next to his theories because I feel like if I was 26, I'd probably do away with a cell phone too and just live a very bohemian lifestyle. Sure. But he does have a very good take on it, and I think there are some theories and philosophies that he's espousing that we could all learn from. And then he's got this kind of theory about phonelessness, meaning not remove your phone completely from your life, but just reduce the amount of use you have. So sure. on that note, here we are with Noah Miller. Thank you all for listening to Tucket Sound. Stay tuned. Noah Miller, thank you for joining us here on Nantucket Sound. This is uh, more technology than you used to, I bet. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But yeah, it's happy to be here. Thank you. For those listening, Noah has spent the last, what you said, you're going on two years, sans phone. A year and 10 months. A year and 10 months. So you've, you've lived without a phone, which I got to tell you, more moments of my life are spent wishing I could do that. So I'm, I'm really eager to have this conversation and see if it's possible for me. Let's start at the beginning. 
or all good stories start. What was the inspiration behind taking this move off the grid, so to speak? Yeah, so it's certainly been one long process. And I, I kind of pinpoint the start date to um, 2017. I was at the University of Pittsburgh and I was just not happy. I, I had transferred already to the University of Pittsburgh and I just was having a terrible time. And I read a couple books and I watched a podcast that really changed my perspective on what these companies, these tech companies are doing to design the products to rewire our neurophysiology and spike our dopamine and get us addicted and change our brains to, to keep us on their product. And uh, I thought that was wrong. And so I, I deleted all my social media uh, in 2017, all in one day, besides LinkedIn, I still have LinkedIn, but I deleted everything that I had and, and it really changed me. So I've been, I say I've been digitally minimal since then. And then just conscious of, of what these companies are doing and, and you know, the, the sanctity of my attention and my attention span and just living in the present moment and away from technology in a sense. So then in, in 2020, my, my phone broke and I was kind of unhappy with my phone at that point. But I was like, you know what? What if I just don't get a new one? Like, it's just sort of an assumption that in our society that we need a phone. Like, oh, you need a phone to survive. You need one to thrive, like you need one to work, whatever. And so I wanted to test that assumption. Initially, it was just like, oh, maybe I'll go a week or two without one. And so I did. And it just like, it was amazing. I just felt free. So then about, I think it was about a month later, uh, maybe a little less than that, but I was thinking I'm, and this was during the pandemic. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm just like sitting at home existing without a phone. Like I just don't have a phone, but what would happen if I didn't just sit at home, but I went out and lived without a phone and experienced life without a phone and engaged life and, you know, without a phone and see what would happen because you know, the phone is a, a technological marvel, obviously, but it, it's designed addictive. And um, it, it's we can use it as a crutch. And when we do use it as a crutch, and when you don't use it as a crutch, you know, you you use your own capabilities in ways that the phone has usurped. And, you know, some magical things happen, and I mean that. And uh, it's just about like life opening up to you and opportunities coming um, and just living life to the fullest. And, and that's really what phonelessness is about. So I... So my, my phoneless period, it was August 2nd, 2020, my phone broke. But so it's this period that I call phonelessness and it's a lifestyle phonelessness. Phonelessness is not having a phone, but it, it's the philosophy that I've just sort of been like, you know, working through and chewing through for the last uh, nearly two years. Like something, something more significant has emerged from phonelessness, not having a phone. So phonelessness is phonelessness. It's the idea, it's a, it's a principle of digital minimalism. It's the idea that using your phone less can better your life in like a wonderful way. So you don't have to like give up your phone to be phoneless. Like, you know, if you decide that turning off your phone while you're at family dinner or dinner with friends, if you turn off your phone or leave it in the car, that's phonelessness because you're accepting that using your phone less will benefit your life. You know, it's not like a full stop use of, 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 phone use, you know, like, so it's this principle of digital mentalism and mindfulness on uh, being in the present moment and uh, just living and, and kind of like eschewing the, the attention economy, which is what's classified as, you know, big tech, how they designed the products to manipulate us, like kind of uh, described in the social dilemma, the, the famous documentary. Yeah. So let me ask you about some of the logistics here, because I think that 
you know, a lot of us would love to live a phoneless nest existence. And I mean it in the extreme sense that you've been living it without a phone at all. But what were the the day-to-day constructs that you were living within as it relates to your employment? Like what were you doing for work that enabled you to not be able to be plugged into that type of communication? Right. So I was a journalist for Newsweek. I was a journalist for about three years. I was working remotely. So I actually covered the coronavirus. I remember writing, there are 20 people now confirmed in Wuhan, the coronavirus. Like, so I covered it from the very, very beginning. I, I was watching it come over and I knew it was going to be a big deal. So I, I asked to, to work remotely. And luckily, like the, the journalism industry is very part and parcel with working remote. Like you can just travel and whatever. Yeah. So my phone broke as a journalist for Newsweek while I was at home quarantining. Um, it was about, I think, eight months in or something. And I, I was working predominantly on my laptop. So yes, that I have a laptop and that's how I was working um, remotely. But my phone broke. And like, I think a, a good employee would, quote unquote, would have told their, their boss that their phone broke. But I just didn't. You know, the, the, the channel of communication was never broken because I didn't have a phone. It was all through email, all through video call. And I, and I just didn't let it be known that I didn't have a, or that my phone broke and, and life went on. So, so I was lucky in, in that sense. And, and I eventually told my boss and they, and my editors, they accepted it. But yeah, like it's a kind of a premise of phonelessness is that like your laptop or your computer does basically everything that your phone can do besides like a handful of things. So for people who would love to try phonelessness on having a phone, it's possible, like for sure. Employers would need to be kind of like savvy and with it. And I think there's this like social movement that's like, you know, it's it's time for us to start caring about our communication technologies and our technology because it molds us, it impacts us. It's um, like one of my favorite books is called Deep Work by Cal Newport, my favorite book. And it's, it's basically the principle that like non-distraction like gets you in the flow state and provides like optimal products or output or whatever. So it's like focus. And every single time your phone lights up, it takes you away and out of that moment and it fractures your attention span. And it takes you about roughly 15 minutes to get back into that flow state for optimal output. There's this huge use case for like, you know, in the professional setting for digital minimalism. But yeah, like it was easy for me with Newsweek. I really, really uh, appreciate Newsweek's kind of philosophy and like letting me, letting me experiment this and try this out. So did you find that without the phone, you were leaning more heavily into your laptop like you were doing more like spending more screen time because I guess some would argue that you know if we're trying to reduce if you're trying to practice digital minimalism you're kind of trading one for the other by going to a laptop did you find that you were using your screen time more or were you still trying to exercise some type of restraint as related to the amount of time you're on your laptop yeah like with the phone you can kind of take it around with you obviously that's like the benefit and the drawback you can take it around with you and check like when your friends say, oh, maybe here now. But when I'm use- using a laptop primarily for communication and coordination with friends, I'm a little more like sucked into it for a certain amount of time. Like when I'm like the hour before, you know, the two hours before I'm supposed to hang out with a friend, I'm a little more on it. You know what I mean? Just, just naturally to check my email, whatever. But besides that, besides like... One of the hardest parts about phonelessness is the logistics. 
And outside of like planning and logistics and coordination, it's like bliss. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that was really the only moment. But other than that, like I'm out of technology, like out of, out of what I call like the artificial like 2D matrix world, which is like phone phones and TVs, like screens. And I'm so much more in like the 3D, 4D realm of just like reality and, and what is real and and what is life. So yeah, so it's it's been amazing. How did you navigate navigation? Because I think a lot of people think about just how dependent uh, we are on GPS and Waze and Google Maps. I mean, we 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 talk about the good old days of having to print out, you know, the old was it Google Maps? Yeah, MapQuest. MapQuest. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. MapQuest. And there's no doubt that we've lost our ability to navigate like we once did. I mean, there's a great book called The Lost Art of Getting Lost. I think that's the title. And it goes into this premise that because we're so dependent on these tools, we've really become disassociated with our sense of direction. So what did you find in terms of now having to navigate the world? Like you've got a meeting across town, but you don't know how to get there. What would be your process to getting there and on time? Yeah. So this is like funny. This is like my life and it's been my life for the last like year and 10 months. But so just kind of go back a little bit. So when I, when I, when my phone broke August 2nd, about a month later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start traveling like without a phone, not just going to sit here and travel without one experience life. So I traveled to, so I sort of adopted this uh, philosophy of digital nomadism. And so I would go to like, a city or a place that I'd found significant for like one month to three months, four months on average, and just live there and like get to know the new place that I wanted to know and like experience what that atmosphere had to offer. So I went to Boulder, Colorado, Costa Rica, Nantucket, the wonderful Nantucket, Austin, Texas, three week, 7,000 mile road trip, the Caribbean, partying stint between Miami, New York, and Denver, and then Tulum and backpacking through Mexico for two months. So Tulum, two months, backpacking through Mexico for two months. So all of these places, like I would fly, I would fly to a new place and then I would, you know, taxi to the Airbnb that I booked for two days. And then from then on, I would walk like, and so I'm, I'm primarily walking. And because I don't have Uber, the point is like with my phoneless travels, like I would go to a new city, I'd go to a new place and I would explore. And like exploration is like so fun and wonderful. So if I want to get to say a bar or something or like a park or whatever, I would look it up beforehand. And so with phonelessness, like so much of it is like diligence and prior planning. And that's what makes it really work. So like I would look up beforehand how to get to this park. And then I would like, so in Austin, Texas, I rented a car. I would draw like a, a physical map just on a paper, just a sketch, like five blocks up, like two right turns. And then I, and I would just use my brain and like navigate. And like, that's how we used to do it. One of the main things that people like told me, like when I was in Mexico for four months total, I was in hostels for four months and talked to so many people about phonelessness. And one of the, like the main things that people told me, they said that they would not be able to handle was not having maps. Like, how do you get to places? And the thing is, the way that our brain works and the way that technology works, when we rely on technology, it's like when we outsource our 
our navigational abilities, we lose our ability to navigate. You know, like when we outsource our phone book to our phone, we lose like the memory of the numbers that like, you know, we used to know all of our friends' numbers or whatever. Like, you know, we lose that. It's, it's, it's just an aspect of technology and neuroplasticity and that our brains like are, we, we can outsource and we are the regions of our brains for navigation or whatever, like atrophy. So, so I think that I have a really good uh, sense of direction now and navigational abilities because I don't have a phone, but like when I, like if I'm walking someplace and I don't know, like, and I get lost and that's happened so many times, like I do get lost. But this is like the the key. This is like the diamond of phonelessness. It's like when you don't have a phone and you don't have the ability to look up where you want to go, you ask for directions. And when you ask for directions, you are engaging like the sociality of people. And we're so social. And like phones have taken so much of our willingness to talk to each other. And so when you talk to people, when you're like going out, Oh, Hey, like you, I stop by like a hostess stands, like, Hey, like, do you know how to get to this place? I'm looking for it. I don't really know. That's when you make the connections. And so for instance, like, you know, this, I'm thinking of a hostess stand, but like, I, I met a girl in Mexico that I really hit it off with. Cause like, I didn't, like, I didn't know where the food trucks were for the tacos. And I said, I, like, I saw her and I was like, Oh, I'm going to ask her where, where, you know, how to get to the tacos. And, you know, we talked and hit it off and whatever. And, and we saw each other for a little bit or like, so when I went to Tulum, I flew to Tulum and then had a Airbnb for two days. So I would go and spend the two days and then I'd be, I'd say, okay, where am I going to go next? Like, what do I do? Like with phonelessness, like you don't really see into the future too much. Everything is just like the day of like, this is what I'm going to do today. Like, you're not thinking of like, you know, other like headlines or other worlds, whatever. Like it's just, this is it. So, so I, I walked down the street and I saw some people like my age in front of a, a bike shop. And I just said like, Hey, like, do you know of like a cool hostel or something in Tulum that I can stay at? And uh, they're like, Oh yeah, like check out Loom. And so, and then they tell me it's like two blocks that way. Like you'll see it, it's a concrete building, whatever. And so I just, you know, I follow that direction, you know, walk through that door. And then I ended up like staying at this hostel for two months. I volunteered there. It was like such an amazing, like enriching experience in my life. And it's all because like, you know, I talked like, so I didn't like the the algorithm that you get fed. It's like an artificial, artificial algorithm. And I, the way I describe it is like, I just like tend to rely on like the human intelligence versus algorithmic intelligence for like making these decisions. And it's like, I don't think one's like better than the other, or maybe like human, the human intelligence is better, but it's just like, it's just an option. Like you don't need the Yelp reviews. Like, like some people are obsessed with reviews of like where to stay or whatever. It's just like, you don't need that. Like you just go with the flow and like, you know, there's a couple like huge, uh, you know, premises of phonelessness. And like one of them is going with the flow. Like, and it's like a life philosophy as well as like a technological philosophy. It's just like, just go with the flow and see what happens and, and take risks and say yes to life and talk to other people. And it's like a really beautiful way to go through life. Yeah, no, I think it is a beautiful way. I can, I can appreciate your experience. I, I spent four months in South America without a phone, but this was before we had the level of tech, you know, phone technology that we had. In fact, I, I was there and I had 
my flip phone and I had one charge in it and I would use it for an alarm just to wake me up. But otherwise I'd be going by guidebooks and whatever it was to, to navigate. So what you're saying definitely resonates with me, if that experience. But from my perspective now as a parent with two kids, with multiple schedules, with all these responsibilities, it's more difficult to imagine a life free of that device because it's so critical for just getting the day-to-day Michigas accomplished. And I guess my question with that is, do you think that it's realistic for someone like myself who's, you know, like I said, I got two kids that are in school. I've got a wife that's working. I got, you know, all these different responsibilities to be able to cut out a phone for my life and still be able to make things function as they have to. Well, I don't think it's realistic. Like, and that's, that's like the the misconception about phonelessness. And like, it's funny, like I've had these conversations, but like, I think me not having a phone actually hurts my message because my message is not, I don't think everyone should give up the phone. I think people should use their phone less because it's, it's designed to make their, make them use it more. And life is so much better when you're not sucked in your phone. And that's something like pretty much every single person I've talked to in the last year and 10 months has been like, I think I use it a little too much. Or like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I would never give my phone, but I see why you do it. Or, you know, it's like, there's this underlying hint of like dissatisfaction that like people are aware of. It's not even up subconscious now. It's like conscious, like they're not happy with it. So like, I think for, for people like yourself or for people with employers that would like, they, or their job doesn't prevent not having a phone. Like, I think that maybe they could try like a week without a phone or like a weekend without a phone or like an evening without a phone. But other than that, like just it's phone lessness, like it, using your phone less and like engenders a better life, like a better way to live. And and that's something that everyone can take away and, and everyone can benefit from. So, and it's worth it. It's really worth it. And like, you know, for instance, like your kids, like, like I, I hear from, like, I'm not a parent and I don't have this perspective of phonelessness, like the, the parental aspect down pat. Like I just don't, but I've heard from parents that like they, they sometimes like they're remiss when they, like their kids want to play with them and they're like stuck on their phone or like work, whatever. It's like using your phone less and consciously like making that effort to just live more in like the real world and reality. Like it can benefit like children, family life, like emotional health, like mental health, whatever, like everything. Like, and, and it's cause there's like true, like neurophysiological ramifications and like effects that are going on because of our phone. And it's like behavioral dependencies, like chemical, like spiking and like addiction, like it's the real deal. So like, you know, just because your boss says that you can't not have a phone, like, you should really be careful and like, uh, like it's not being careful. It's about being responsible for your own digital habits because like this tool, like phones are just a tool, like, but this time, like with this tool, they're designed to addict us, designed to change our behavior. So it's like the responsibility and the onus is now on us to like, be careful with it. So it can, it can help everyone. It really can. All right, guys, let's take a quick little break and thank one of our favorite sponsors, Fiduciary Trust International. As you've heard me say before, Fiduciary Trust International is known for helping families with significant wealth manage that wealth and all the complexities that come with it across generations. These families know that building legacy is about more than just managing investments. Fiduciary Trust International helps you structure your wealth wisely so you can provide maximum benefit for your heirs and the causes you care about, 
while minimizing, and this is a key point, while minimizing the tax consequences. If you're looking for trust, estate, and advanced tax planning services to help you transfer wealth in the ways you intend, check out Fiduciary Trust International at fiduciarytrust.com. All right, let's get back to the conversation with Mr. Noah Miller. In the last month and a half, I gave up my social media for for a period of time. But to do that, I literally had to hire someone else to do my social media because it's part of my job. And you know, it has been incredibly liberating not to be habitually checking things. And I think that part of the solution in terms of trying to at least create some distance with our phone addiction, technology addiction, is you've got to create the infrastructure to be able to make it possible, unfortunately, because I think there is such an expectation these days of immediate communication, immediate responses. We're definitely living in this hyper-fast world, and it is certainly to our mental, emotional, psychological detriment that we're you know, running at this pace. I mean, our minds were never meant to operate as fast as they're being expected to. I mean, it's one of the takeaways from that, that movie, The Social Dilemma, where you know, the algorithm is just exponentially fast compared to how our minds work. So we, we're, we're, we're completely ill-equipped to try to fight it. Can, can I ask you, like, please, how, how do you think your life would change without a phone? Like, how, like what would happen? It would be very difficult. <laughs> it would be very difficult. One, because I, I, I work for someone whose main form of communication is phones, which is ironic given, you know, where we all are now in terms of text messages and emails. But I, you know, I received six to 10 calls a day from my employer. And then it's, I think, more acutely is my responsibility as a parent and the fact that you know, if, they, if my wife's held at work and I got to go pick up the kids and I'm off somewhere away from my computer, I would never be able to know that I need to be there. So I think that it's, there's a lot of ramifications that would make it really difficult to operate on a day-to-day life. I think if I was just myself, I would have no problem with it. I mean, it would not be difficult for me apart from like the initial extrication of the addiction of using it, I think I could, I'd love it. I mean, I, I already love the fact that I don't do social media now, you know? So uh, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, I totally believe, you know, what you're, what you're espousing. My concern or my, my goal would be to try to figure out a way to get that ideal version incorporated into everyday life. Because I think that like every addiction, if you, you were, because we are, we're all, we're all addicted to this technology. And as any alcoholic can tell you, you can't take a sip of alcohol every day and expect to stay on the straight and narrow. And that's basically what we're being asked to do with technology is we're all being hardwired to be addicted to it, and yet we still need to use it. And so how do we create the boundaries to be able to make it healthy? And I don't have the answer. And I know that you're working on a book about this. So I think people will be really excited to hear what kind of conclusions you might draw on on how we how we have, you know, both things, you know. Yeah, like it's hard, like for sure. It's it's hard. It's like having an, an addiction to food. Like you can't live without food, but you need to eat. Right. But there are one hundred percent ways for you to manage your your technology use so that it benefits your life. So like, it's this is sort of like a principle of the universe, but it's balance. Balance is the key. Like for me, like I don't have a phone. Like so, it's funny. Just going back to what you said before, but like. My, when people say, how long are you not going to have a phone for? I say until I have children. 
You know, like I'm not going to like have my little child like email me like, dad, like, help, I need you like to pick me up, whatever. I'm just (laughs) like next day, like, oh, hey, sorry about that. But like, yeah, so it's just they're integral to our lives and it's it's okay to not like reject it. Like and phonelessness isn't Luddism, which is like rejecting new technology. It's just it's solely about balance. And like you get to decide which tools that you'd use to benefit your life. Like, like I don't want Facebook, but I have LinkedIn. Like people may think like, oh, that's kind of hypocritical. Don't you think you still social media? Like, no, like these are just tools that you get to decide how you use them to benefit and bring value to your life. That's it. Like you get to decide. And so like with, with technology and like with people that like struggle with like addiction and like, I mean, it's really like behavioral addiction and behavioral patterns. Like, you know, like, the, like, for instance, like the biggest thing that I recommend for people to do is to delete all the social media off their phone and only have that on the laptop. Cause we talked about it before, but like, it's like a slot machine, your phone, like carrying around a little slot machine. So like, if you're carrying uh, that around everywhere, then, you know, your addictive tendencies and your behavioral tendencies to like use that social media, like, you know, you're allowed to do that and you, you end up doing it. But like, if you can compartmentalize like the social media use to like a desktop and keep it like within the boundary of a room with your desktop in it, like it's so much easier to manage those, like those urges to like use. And also like, like there, like I'm writing a book about it. Like I kind of talk about all this, but like a swath of like tips and tricks or whatever, but like turning your phone off like two hours before bed and having that be your time, like the sanctity of your mind, like your, your time to like, go through your day and like let your subconscious like turn up thoughts and whatever like that's so good for mental health and like i i really recommend people do that and you know like other tricks it's just like turn off your phone like at the movies or turn off your phone at dinner just like turn it off like so when i was in austin texas i was going out uh, to bars like just going to the nightlife like i i didn't know anyone I would walk into a bar and like, I'd start feeling like a lot of anxiety. Like, Oh my God, I'm such a loser. What am I doing here? Like, I don't know anyone. Like, Oh my God, like I probably look so stupid. And then like, when you're forced to like mindfully accept these feelings, like, no, no, like you're doing fine. Like you're okay. Like just breathe and like relax and then talk to people that capital T talk. Like when you start talking, like then life opens up and it's all because like you didn't have that, like, phone that's that you can use as a social crutch that like you would otherwise like when you start having those feelings like oh my god what am i doing here like you go onto your phone you just it's like a it's a behavioral pattern like you just okay go on the phone and like you block off those negative emotions that you like kind of need to deal with so that you can thrive so it's just like like i recommend if like people my age like just if you go out like turn off your phone like and then turn it on in an hour and see like what your friends are saying whatever just like you know it ultimately what Phonelessness and digital minimalism comes down to if you want to live with technology in a balanced way is like compartmentalization. Like you, you segment like the time that you will use your technology and then segment time that you're te- like kind of living freely, as I would say. And so like something that I actually struggle with, I, I struggle with YouTube addiction and people don't talk about how addictive YouTube is. Like YouTube is literally the second most viewed website in the world. And every single aspect of YouTube is designed to keep you on it. And it's like difficult because like there's useful information in YouTube videos. And, but it's like, you know, it's included with like things that you just like find 
that, you know, like videos that you want otherwise we want to see as well. So it's like, you know, if it, like, if you want to use YouTube for like educational purpose, you're still stuck in that same newsfeed with everything else. So like I, I, and it's, it's about dopamine and dopamine release and addiction. And like, you know, every time you like refresh the YouTube newsfeed, it's like pulling that slot lever down and then you get the video that like you see or you don't. And like, that variability between a, a video you would want to see and you don't is the same variability that a slot machine has in like winning and not. So it's the same addictive cycle. Yeah. So that YouTube is something that I struggle with, but like just going back to what we were talking about before, like, and I struggled with doing this. So it's harder. It's easier said than done, but like, okay, I come home from work, whatever. I, I'm going to stay on YouTube for one hour. I allot a YouTube time for one hour. And then after that, I'm done. And so this is like a, a rule, like an if-then scenario that is really helpful for digital minimalism and implementing it in your life. If-then scenarios, compartmentalization, saying like, and like blocking, it's called blocking. Like I'm going to block this time off for technology and block this time for like, you know, digital minimals, like living in, in the real world. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I've taken that philosophy. There's, there's a lot of, you probably know them by name, but there's, there's none that are apps, but they're, I guess we'll just call it an app for the sake of clarity, but you can put something on your browser to lim to limit the amount of time. So I've got that on my social media accounts where I only allow 10 minutes for social media and on my, cause as a writer and you can, you can appreciate this, you know, we're constantly, you, you write 50 words, a hundred words, 150 words. Like, Oh, I'm going to give myself a little reward by looking at something else into the quagmire of distraction and procrastination. And um, by putting up those barriers, after ten minutes elapses, it's like I've got no choice to to get. I'm not going to go back on it because I can't. And it also what it enables me to do is, and again, I'm not using any social media right now. But when I was, I knew I had ten minutes. So when I went to go do something, whether it be like post content or I had to check a message that was DM to me or something like that, I'd be incredibly efficient. I wouldn't get into the scroll death scroll because I'd be like, I got 10 minutes to get that message back or like post this post. And it just made it way more efficient. So I was able to continue to do what I dubbed work on social media without then getting into like the, the pits of the, the, you know, the long scroll. I, yeah. I agree with you regarding the, the YouTube. I think like YouTube is one of those sites that I have to add to this blocking functionality because you're right. You go there for what there's so much great content on there but then there's you know you two hours later you're watching like an andre the giant documentary seven part <laughs> series you know and like you, you how the hell did i get here so it's a brilliant i mean it's so it's such a brilliant way to get eyeballs that they've created but it's it's i think you're right that it's to our detriment and, and yeah. it's a total time suck i mean that's the thing too is that all this is a time suck i mean the amount of time we waste on on these things is insane you know and like i do like the on the phone when <laughs> ironically on the phone I, I like how the, it gives you a message about how much you've been using certain things and then you look at it like oh my god i've spent four hours looking at instagram over the last week like that's pathetic so this is all interesting but let me let's i want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your book where it, what what stage of production are you in are you, are you still hashing it out are you, are you deep into writing have you Got it to a publisher yet? Where where does it stand? Yeah, so I quote unquote been writing this book since I didn't have it. Like I stopped using a phone, but writing has been like living and seeing what life is like without a phone and experimenting and like you know using different habits, whatever. Like 
So I've, I've really been like thinking about this and writing it, quote unquote, like in my mind for almost two years now. But like, I just, like, I went to Tulum to start writing. I actually write with a typewriter and it's kind of a long story, but like, so I love my typewriter, but I brought it to Tulum and I didn't write like, I, I barely wrote anything in Tulum. And it's like, there was just like this mental block or something, but like, I, I needed to keep living and like keep talking to people in Mexico. And like, so really Mexico was where like the philosophy solidified it. But so actually I forgot to mention, but I went to Nantucket again. So after Mexico, I, I stayed in Nantucket in this little guest cottage and I, I, I really tried to write and I found out that writing is hard, hard, hard. Like writing a book is satanic. It's like masochism. It's like everything. Like, so I, I actually, to be completely honest with you, I kind of like put the book on the back burner a little bit and I've decided to promote my ideas through podcasts and through interviews. And I think then like I, I will publish this book and and I actually am like and I'd like to put this out to the universe, but I am looking for a publisher and for my book Filmlessness. And I I know for a fact, like I would bet any amount of money that this book will like make waves and and like a publisher would want to publish this book because you know, everyone seems to like resonate with the message that like, you know, of like using your phone less and like living more, like living outside like the phone. Like it's just a better way. It's the way it's like meant to be. So, but yeah, writing is really hard. It's like a lot of negative chatter when you're, when you're writing a book. So, but it's like, the book is like, it's embodies like the ethos of how I've lived for almost two years. And it's really, it's really like special to me. And it's, I think it's like a message that a lot of people can resonate with. It's just like living courageously, uh, like in, in the face of like the metaverse, what's coming, like virtual reality, just like living as humans, like presently and like helping each other. And, you know, like one thing that I say with filmlessness, like I, I receive a lot of help from people. Like a lot of people have like, you know, I'm like, Hey, can I text my parents from your phone or whatever? Like, Hey, do you mind like, like using a QR code for me so that I can get into like a venue or whatever. And so a lot of people have helped me, but in turn, like I am more willing and able to help more people. So it's like, a more beautiful way to live. Like, and it's just about the social connection, like helping each other. So yeah, it's, I'm really excited about the book, but it's certainly like an uphill battle for me and it's, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think like I am going to produce something that will help, help people. Well, we appreciate you sharing your message with us. And and as you said, before we got on, this is the first time you've publicly talked about this. So we're grateful that you debuted your, your thoughts with us and I'm sure it's going to lead to other conversations. So we appreciate uh, the opportunity to kind of spearhead it. Yeah, thank you so much. And like, I would like to say this for the record, but I, so I worked for Newsweek, which is like a news magazine. When I went to Nantucket, I saw uh, like the magazine and magazine and I read like a couple issues and I absolutely love it. Like, and that's how well, like you. I got the idea. Yeah, like I got the idea. I saw the Nantucket Sound, the podcast, like, oh, maybe I'll like try to uh, speak on it. So but I love the, love the magazine. Love what you guys are doing. Like truly, like it's really awesome. Great production. So. So happy, happy to do this. Much. Happy to do this. Yeah. Thank you. Hello. We were, we were delighted to have you. And I uh, wish you the best of luck, Noah. And let's stay in touch. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Via email. Yeah. <laughs> Via email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Howard. I appreciate it. Thank you.